Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. And let's go to Aaron in Queens, New York on line three. And Aaron, you're on with Dr. Dyer. Thanks for holding. Hi, Diane. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Dyer. Hi, Aaron. How are um, you, my dear? I'm wonderful. We um, in Queens. Where in Queens are you? I used um, to teach in Queens yes, at St. John's I, we, University. Yeah, we talked. Um, we spoke about a year and a half ago, I guess. It's mm-hmm. been that long. Um, and I'm a student at St. John's. I had been working on my um, comprehensive exams back then. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember the call. Um, I do, yes. Okay. You gave me some wonderful advice, and it was just a pleasure taking my comprehensive exams. Um, and how'd you do? Oh, I passed. It was great. Aww, <laughs> yeah, it was too bad. <laughs> no, I, I went in um, with just this this feeling of, you know, having a conversation with colleagues and, you know, all is well. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't really have any of the stress that I had sort of um, conditioned myself to work under in my mm-hmm. previous, uh, I don't know, my, my previous way of working. Um, mm-hmm. But I was also pregnant at the time. And it was such a good, it was such a good lesson for me because I really learned um that all that stress that I think is sort of popular, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of just a choice. You know, I, I think, I think in, in the academic world, we um, reward the person who's the most stressed out because it seems like they're sort of working the hardest. Right. But um, I realized that that really didn't have to be part of what I was bringing into my work. That's such a great thing that that you're saying, Erin. I I just wanted to stop for one second. I had a conversation with my wife just before the radio show this morning about one of our daughters, Um, and and she was. We were talking about this um, this whole idea of like when when a child is in utero, you know, when uh, this uh, and when you are uh, filled with stress and anxiety and and so on throughout your pregnancy, and whether it's related to the pregnancy or the relationship or finances or, you know, endless numbers of things that can go on and family stuff and so on, that, that, you know, every thought that you have gets transmitted to this this child. So then this child comes out and it's been through a real tumultuous um, um, pregnancy, which one of our daughters was, uh, you know, many, many years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. So... um, so now, so so now she has this. Now does she does she have an excuse? In other words, can she say, "Well, look at what I had to go through when you were," you know? Yeah. And, and the fact of it is that both of those things exist at the same time. Yes, sure. indeed, you are getting whatever stress that your mother is thinking of. It, but now you are here, and then I think of my brother and myself. Uh, the two of us were put into a series of foster homes and orphanages throughout the whole early formative years of our lives, and. Um, um, and, and, uh, and then my mother remarried, got us all back together and married an alcoholic. And, um, and so there was a lot of even more uh, chaos, uh, in those teenage years with around living with an, a severe alcoholic. Yeah. And one of my, my brother, David, uh, t- took the road of being an alcoholic. He's written about this in his own book from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. So he took that road. I looked at an alcoholic, uh, behavior and, and my, for something inside of me said, uh, I, that's not something I want to do. I don't want to behave that way. And I made a choice not to drink. My brother made a choice to drink. 
So it's like whatever it is that has been handed to you, you know, by the way of your DNA, by the... And Bruce Lipton writes about... We, my wife and I were talking about this this, this morning that uh, in the biology of belief, that even if it's in your DNA, you know, all of this yeah. stress and yeah. pain and all, that we can change our DNA. Yeah. That's what epigenetics is all about. I mean, isn't that a fascinating idea? Oh, yeah, I, so, yeah, I really think that that is something to, to look into because I feel it. You can I feel really, it in, in, it can yeah. feel it in almost anything. Even if you get a diagnosis of cancer, which I did like a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. three years ago now, uh, with this leukemia and so on, and, and you can say to yourself, look, if, if it's possible that I can absolutely change my DNA, yeah. well, that, that's minor. I mean, that's, you know, a, a little bit of cancer is, is a minor thing compared yeah. to that, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, it's like, it's just, it's, again, it's when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I was saying this to my wife about our daughter who has always used her early, you know, the trouble that she was going through when she was little as an excuse for, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. Uh, and it still always comes down to a choice. Even your DNA is a choice, sure. don't you think? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I was going to ask you a couple of questions, but I, I think sure. I should tell you a story instead. Go ahead. Um, I, uh, when I when I was pregnant, I just um, I, I just had this Earth Mother glow. I don't know how else to explain uh -huh. it. I felt right. really good, and a lot of moms get jealous because you know a lot of moms are sick and. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Everything. I just felt so good. I felt like one with the universe, and mm -hmm. uh, and I just I had this connection. I could see, um, you know, almost see this baby in, inside me, and I was connecting to him. Um, and then we found out that there was a problem, um, and uh, without going into too much, um, he had a problem with his esophagus, mm -hmm. and the pregnancy was very very hard on me, and. Um, he had to have surgery at three days old, um, but he came out so strong. He was eight pounds, eight ounces. He was so strong. He went through that surgery like nothing, and um, he has been incredible ever since. And I stayed in this state of um, meditation during the end of the pregnancy and during my labor, um, and I really credit that with a lot of um, the ease that we've had since then, even with this complication with my son, this birth mm -hmm. defect that he had, for no known reason. We don't know why mm -hmm. um, he had this. But um, when I was in the, in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, um, when he was just about to go in for his surgery, he had to have his total esophagus and his trachea repaired. And I was holding him, and um, I hadn't been able to touch him and, um, you know, for a mother and a newborn child, the, the first oh goodness, few yeah. days of touching are so important. Mm -hmm. But I was finally able to, to hold him before he was going into his surgery. <clears throat> and I was praying so hard. And I had been praying all through the, the birth. And the, the birth was an emergency C-section, which was not something that we had wanted but it was so funny because we had planned from the beginning to do this beautiful natural birth. Mm -hmm. And then the complications meant that we had to have a hospital birth. Right. And then I said, okay, well, I'll do hospital, but I'll still have natural. And then the complications meant that I had to have an epidural. I said, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'll have an epidural, but it'll still be, you know, a regular birth. Oh, no. But then he had this emergency C-section. And every time I just kept saying, it's the way it's supposed to be. I, I never allowed that fear and stress to enter. But mm. when I was holding him, when he was, he was two, two and a half, three days old, 
and I was praying, and I had him on my chest, and I just kept, I was in this very powerful, deep state of prayer, and I was saying, I was just pleading with the universe to help him, please, and I was saying things that I didn't even know where they were coming from. I was saying, please, guardian angels, be with him, and I said, please, let my guardian angel leave me and go be with him when he's in the surgery, and then I said, you know, all the saints, and all the angels, please be with him. And then I said Jesus' name. And I felt a hand on my back. Mm-hmm. And it was as real as if you were standing right next to me and you put your hand on mm-hmm. my back. It was so real. And there was no one standing behind me. <laughs> and at that moment, all of the worry and anxiety just drained out of me. It was palpable. Mm-hmm. It was gone. And wow. we had to be away from him. He was in surgery for six hours. And I didn't worry one moment. And mm. every time my thoughts came back to him, I just imagined Jesus holding him. And when he came Isn't out, it? he was fine. Everything was mm. wonderful. And he's been so great. He's one year old now, and he has had a wonderful recovery. Um, but that moment. What's his name? His name's Alfonso. We call him Allie. <laughs> Mm. He's wonderful, but that moment has stayed with me. The the moment you're speaking about is really relevant for everybody listening all around the world right now, the hundreds of thousands of you. Yeah. Um, That the the Course in Miracles has this one very important line about that that there's only two ways to respond to anything. One is with fear, (laughs) and the other is with love. And everything that is fear cannot be love. And everything that is love cannot be fear. I wrote about this several times in, in my new book, and, and I can see clearly now. And what happened when you felt the hand of Jesus on your back is that what, was, what happened in that moment was the transference of fear to love. It wasn't, it wasn't like we're going to take this fear out and we're going to replace it with love. Jesus performed what is called, uh, you know, he, it, this is alchemy. Uh, alchemy right. isn't uh, alchemy isn't like okay you got stones here let me get rid of those and bring in some gold. Right. Alchemy no, is right. w- you touch the stones and they turn into love. Yeah. You know as it says in the prayer of Saint Francis, where there is hatred, let me bring love. In other words, it, it's it's really about taking fear or hatred or stress or anxiety or, or whatever it is, and converting that into love, so that <clears throat> your fear became love. Uh, because when, when, when there's love, there can't be possibly be any more fear. Now, you have, what I want to say to everybody about what Aaron, uh, Aaron's call yeah. is about here is that um, th- there are so many ways that we live in fear. That is, sometimes we say, well, I'm going to drive safely because I'm afraid I'll get a ticket. You know, Why not drive safely because driving safely is the way that you love everyone yeah. around you and sure. so on. And, and virtually every decision that you make is based, it's either fear-based or love-based. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.